listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What the Dev. Today, we're discussing bias creep in algorithmic systems and a recently released statement on principles for responsible algorithmic systems. Joining me are Gina Matthews and Ricardo Baeza Yates, co-authors of the statement. Gina is a professor of computer science at Clarkson University in Potsdam, New York, and Ricardo is the director of research at the AI Institute at Northeastern University's Palo Alto campus. They worked with the Association of Computing Machineries Technology Policy Council to uh, author the statement, and uh, it was, uh, as I said, uh, just recently released. So let's get started. Gina, let me start with you. Uh, where, what uh, what were you seeing in the world that uh, you folks felt uh, it was important to uh, release this uh, statement of principles? Well, software is increasingly being used throughout society to make really big decisions about people's lives in areas like hiring and housing and credit, criminal justice, many, many things. And often those decisions are powered by machine learning, artificial intelligence. And I think there's a mistaken belief that decisions made by software are fundamentally logical, free from human bias, when in fact they are powered by data from the past about the decisions that people have made in the past. And so Mm -hmm. they really are fundamentally a very conservative or backward looking force. They say, we would like the future to be like the past unless there's something done to to change what you've learned from the past, reflect on it, and use that to guide a different future. You can very easily be using patterns of decisions from the past that reflect human bias in the past and and actually enshrining those decisions in software. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So we are all humans, though. So how do you uh, get around that? How do you, you know, predict behaviors in the future uh, and ignore, or not ignore, but build off of, I guess, what's happened uh, in the past? I can I can take that one. So I think the first step is awareness. So knowing that there is bias. Because bias is not only in the data, but also on on the way that we optimize uh, the the work of the system, and especially in the interaction between the user and the system. For example, in e-commerce, you have popularity bias, you have exposure bias, you have many biases that that are uh, due to the way that the interface works and, and how people are forced to choose things. So if you're aware of these things, and then you can uh, understand the process and mitigate it, then you can uh, try to change the past. For example, uh, if you know that people will click more on the first uh, result of a search because it's in the first position, then you can mitigate that and uh, understand that the real values is smaller. So you need to build models that do that mitigation and then you start uh, changing the, the, the past. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So, um... I understand that this statement that was released uh, builds off of the uh, original statement that was issued in uh, 2017. So what kind of things did you feel needed to be 
uh, updated from that statement that uh, we didn't think of the first time around. The 2017 statement has really weathered quite well. Um, I don't think that there's anything that we would so much revise as add to. I think in the intervening years, we've become much more aware of additional opportunities for intervention, additional concerns. The, the new statement echoes many of the same themes of contestability and auditability, accountability, responsibility, interpretability, explainability, um, but it adds on some layers of um, security and privacy, um, impact on the environment, some other things that are important. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think that one of the main uh, new things is, is the first principle is called legitimacy and competence, which is basically the question that you need to ask before doing anything, before starting implementing a system. For example, did you do an uh, ethical impact assessment? Did you check the legal compliance? Did you check the social acceptance of the system? Because even if you don't have any bias, maybe people feel discriminated anyway. And, and what's important is the perception, not, the, not always uh, what is the real uh, software. And also the, the competence that you have. For example, do you have the permission to do it? Many times decisions are taken without the right to, to take the decision. I, I mean, human decisions like let's implement that system. And we have many examples uh, at the global governments uh, doing that. And also, you need to have the competence on the domain of the application. For example, did you check with doctors if you are working in health? Did you check with uh, educators if you're working in education and so on? And also, of course, you need to have the right competent, technical competence to do everything. So, so these are the like the foundations to to just make sure that your system is legitimate and competent. Mm -hmm. Great. So. Uh... Maybe you can uh, detail, uh, Gina, let's uh, go back to you, uh, some of the other uh, principles that uh, you felt were important to uh, enumerate at this point. So Ricardo mentioned the legitimacy and competency. The second principle was minimizing harm. That certainly seems like an important fundamental yeah. principle. I had mentioned security and privacy, transparency, interpretability and explainability, maintainability, which really emphasizes the need to be to be looking at this over the full life cycle of the system when requirements are being um, uh, gathered in design, but also in in testing, in deployment, um, contestability and auditability, accountability and responsibility and limiting environmental impacts. Mm -hmm. those, those are the, the principles. Uh, in a nutshell. Right. So uh, my understanding is uh, that m most organizations that are using uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence are, are, are not creating their own algorithm algorithms so much as they are using what's already available out there, uh, like a TensorFlow or, or things like that. So, so is, is this aimed at the broad spectrum of developers, basically anybody who's writing uh, these kinds of systems? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, this is so to, to all systems, not only AI systems, so any algorithmic system, to all practitioners, uh, and also people that, that that are using this system, even if they're not developing, because these principles are, are not uh, alone. They, each one alone doesn't help. For example, 
transparency is useless if you don't have ways to, to contest the result, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or audit the system. And of course, it doesn't matter if you can contest if you cannot make anyone uh, responsible or accountable. So we add also in, in the statement the trade-off between these principles and also how they, they work together. So they're not like, uh, like 10 commandments that are orthogonal, mm-hmm. but they have to be working in a, in a governance process that is not easy and, and, and that we are just learning. So this is very, very new. Mm-hmm. Certainly is good. So uh, I know also, uh, in addition to the, the, the overarching statement that you guys just released, uh, there were some recommendations on, on data processing and then how systems are deployed. Could you, uh, Gina, maybe uh, dive into that a little bit and, and uh, talk about that? Sure. And, and I'd also uh, love to just follow up a teeny bit on the last question you asked about the applicability to people who are deploying solutions that they didn't completely develop. Mm-hmm. And I, I would actually say that it's even more important in that environment because there's a lot of ways in which someone can design a system, understand its limitations, use it in a way that might be appropriate, but then pass it on to someone who might accidentally use it in an environment where it's not at all appropriate. Mm. Um, You could, you know, a simple example I often will use for my students is if I trained a facial recognition system on students at Clarkson to let people in and out of doors, (laughs) that it's a completely different user population and it's a completely different level of risk from errors if I tried to deploy that same system in a criminal justice application in Chicago, for example. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Good. Interesting. So, yeah, just to get back perhaps to the uh, recommendations on data processing and deploying these systems. Yes. So, so for example, some recommendations is that they should be proportional to the problem being solved. Sometimes we we use AI because it's uh, fashionable, but maybe it's not needed or we use much more uh, of the technology that we need. So so this is the first uh, recommendation that that should be proportional to the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a very, very famous case in France where they use uh, at some schools uh, video surveillance, and and the court said that, that 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 was not proportional to the to the goal of the solution. That was just uh, like uh, the example of Gina, basically security at the school. Mm-hmm. And in that same case, the, the director of the school didn't have the right to put the, the video surveillance, so they didn't check that they had the right. So this is also. Mm-hmm the case of uh, having the, the legitimacy to, to use the system. Mm-hmm. Also, there, there are a lot of uh, important things on, on, on how to measure and evaluate these systems. For example, uh, most of the time we are uh, optimizing the accuracy, so how much, what percentage of time that, that, that works, for example, 90%. But depending on the context, uh, for example, false negatives could be worse than false positives or, or, or vice versa. For example, a doctor will prefer to see healthy people more healthy people just not to miss a person with an illness. Uh, also, there are important recommendations regarding privacy, like uh, trade secrets or, or revelation of analytics, but uh, they shouldn't be used to justify, for example, an audit or that a third party will, will check those numbers. And mm-hmm. finally, uh, as I talk about transparency, transparency without contestability or accountability is, is useless. Because sometimes transparency is, is used to legitimize a system or to transfer responsibility to other parties, but in practice, uh, it's not helping. 
Another another great example there is depending on your level of trust in the human decision makers involved, you might, especially for high stakes decisions, prefer something that is very explainable, even if it came at some cost and accuracy. And it doesn't always have to be a trade-off between explainability and accuracy. But um, especially for high stakes decisions, it can be very important that the explanation is clear and you might make choices that optimize for that even over accuracy. Mm-hmm. And, and then the explanation should be correct because uh, a wrong explanation also in some contexts like health could be worse. Right. So so let me ask you, so this statement came out of uh, ACM's uh, techno- Technology Policy uh, Council. Uh, are, are you guys a part of that? Is that how you became the co-authors of this? Yes, we've both been involved with ACM and tech policy at ACM for quite some time. Um, I'm I've been on the U.S. Technology Policy Council, I believe, for over a decade, and I'm a part of the Global Technology Policy Council as well. And Ricardo also has been deeply involved in policy efforts for a long time. Are there any? And we are the colleague authors, but there are many more people that contribute to this statement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So- uh, what I'd like to know is, are there any guidelines or anything for actually, you know, implementing uh, some of these principles, or is it just kind of up to whatever an organization is doing? Somehow they'll figure out how to apply these things to their own uh, operations. Is that uh, is that the idea? That, that's an excellent question because uh, we are working on, on Northeastern University with companies on the governance uh, using these kinds of principles. And what we found out is that people understand the principles, but they don't know how to how to use them in practice. So I think that's what we are we are working uh, in many places uh, today. Basically, how to make these principles uh, real, real instruments and 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 put them in operation. And although there are many many institutions that have produced some guidelines, still we need more work on how to use them in practice. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely agree with that. And I would also say that these high-level principles have been, I think, especially useful in in communicating with with folks in government and public policy. Also, they're very useful for um, engineers working inside companies that might be faced with decisions to implement things that they don't think are ethical and it can be very helpful to be able to point to statements from large professional societies like ACM as you know some backup for the decisions that they're that they're recommending. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, coupled with this, I, I think what, what is uh, related to your question is that I would like to see more companies uh, adopting, uh, for example, ACM code of ethics or, or other code of conducts that will help, for example, do systems that are more responsible. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. So uh, Gina Matthews and Ricardo Baeza Yates, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you being with us. Thanks thank so much you. for having us. Okay. And until next time, folks, I'm Dave Rubenstein, editor-in-chief of SD Times. So long for now. <laughs>